Welcome to Was That Really Necessary, the podcast where we explore remakes, reboots, sequels, and prequels by weighing them against the originals and asking, well, was that really necessary? I'm Zach Buell, and with, with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Paul. Paul, how are you now? Oh, just just lovely. Oh, that's what I like to hear. If you haven't heard this show before, if you're just joining us for the first time, well, welcome. We appreciate that. And if you're listening to us before, this will be a bit of a recap. But what we do is we watch a movie, and then we watch either its reboot or remake, or a sequel slash prequel that was made with a 10-year gap in the, uh, the franchise there. What we're really trying to do is figure out, is this, you know, actually worth our time, or was this just somebody wanting to recapture a little bit of that sweet, sweet nostalgia money? And, oh boy... Do we have a doozy for you today? Uh, today we are diving into Ghostbusters, the much, much loved 1984 classic, and Ghostbusters, the 2016. Oh, the 2016. <laughs> what we're going to do is get right into it, and we're going to discuss the original Ghostbusters. So if any of you guys haven't seen it, first of all, go out and watch it. Like, for God's sakes, please go out and watch it. It is... It is just good. More people have not seen this movie than you would expect. I, to be really honest with you, uh, I, I was I mentioned this to a few people that we were doing this, and a lot of them, but not a lot, but more than you would think, have not seen the original 1984 Ghostbusters. I, my wife is one of them. I don't know about you. I mean, I assume your wife has probably seen it. Hopefully, <sighs> I don't. Maybe not. She. <laughs> you never know. You never know. I'm not going to speak on her behalf. That's. Uh, but, I, but uh, but yeah, a lot of people have, still haven't have not seen this. Um, if you haven't, please please go out and, and check it out. Yeah. Well, like I said, if you haven't seen it, so there are three ostracized professors that take their fledgling paranormal research company to the streets in an attempt to legitimize their field of study. After some very successful outings and the addition of a fourth radically diverse everyman, they attract the ire of the EPA and get their company shut down. This, coupled with the arrival of an ancient Sumerian deity hell-bent on bringing around the apocalypse, the Ghostbusters have to find a way to convince the mayor that they are here to save the day. That is, I mean, probably the best way I could describe it. Um, again, if you haven't seen it, just go out and watch it. But, yeah, what, what, what do you want to say about Ghostbusters? I mean, just, I, I'm eager to hear your thoughts. What are, what are your thoughts? I mean, I love this movie. I, I was really excited to rewatch this. This was something I grew up with. It came out the year after I was born, so it's not like I have uh, fond memories of going to see this like some of the other movies that we've done so far. Uh, but this really brought back a lot of just great memories. This is a great movie. Uh, this was before the days of CGI and special effects. As we were kind of mentioned, joking earlier, CGI really wasn't a thing. This was just special effects. No, this, this was, was like straight up matte paintings and claymation. And yeah. again, I'm going to go for it, but the practical effects sitting there right on the, you know, the puppetry and stuff like that. I, you, If you haven't figured it out by now, I'm a sucker for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but this movie, uh, unlike some of movies today, which are visually amazing, this movie isn't visually amazing. It's, it's actually pretty bland. It's very bland. Honesty. It's very, it's, it's very uh, khaki. For those who've seen the movie, the movie is this kind of khaki color. There's very few bright lights. In fact, I only I have here in some of my notes that very few ghosts are in the movie Ghostbusters. The movie yeah. is carried by the acting, by the writing, by the 
improv that these guys have and that the, the the relationship all of these actors have together yeah well and the chemistry there too i mean if you think about Aykroyd, ramus and uh, bill murray you and i were talking about this before they've all worked together in some capacity prior to this whether it was movie stripes or any of the um you know saturday night live stuff like that um, harold ramus comes from sctv so they all have like a big sketch comedy background yep. ernie hudson's kind of the odd man out but at the same time he's still very good he's, he's a very competent actor i really rather like him i like ernie hudson i do always <laughs> i just think ghostbusters though every no matter what he's in i just i'm like oh it's ghostbusters yep yeah <laughs> you, you touched on something that i really wanted that i really wanted to point out here too is just like the the, the first thing that struck me in rewatching this was just um i mean first of all I'm a, I'm a huge sucker for this i have the real ghostbusters like the old cartoon i hold that in the highest regard as well i still have like all of my ghostbusters toys this is a nostalgia trip for me and this was refreshing after last week watching jumanji one that held up yes it was yes so amazing to go back there um this might be one of the best made comedy movies ever I, I just I, I honestly I don't think I can overstate how amazing amazingly well done this movie is Bill Murray gives the performance the comedic performance of his life I mean okay. like it is everything he does is just a perfect line delivery it's just ugh, it's scary how good it is it's timing <laughs> it's the it's the banter that they have yeah. and the the way that they establish each persona of each character mm-hmm. where Bill Murray's kind of the wisecracking um just kind of an asshole like but he's your <laughs> asshole but you feel like he's he's an asshole um right up to like the kind of like you know sexual assaulty slash like i'm gonna date rape you scene from the beginning to like i still really like this guy but you're an asshole and then you have egon who's clearly the nerd i mean right up the bat but they don't do it in a flashy sense of here's all my here's my 10 inventions i'm egon guys (laughs) and then there's dan Aykroyd, cigarette out of his mouth the entire movie something you do not see anymore well i made note too that at one point i I was noticing that they were all smoking aside from um egon yes at at all at At one point in the movie movie. yeah they're all they're all seen smoking at least once um one of the things that i love too is just how organically they introduce everybody um it's it's just such like a from the very beginning there's the the scene with the ghost in a in a library if you haven't seen this again sorry but um there's a scene in the library where they are trying to figure out they have this first encounter with a ghost and they're all just kind of figuring it out they've all hypothesized about this being real and then finally they are introduced and they oh go talk to her and peter goes hello i'm peter where are you from originally like just the perfect line and then it's followed by ray going up to him and be like i got an idea and he just yells get, get her. her and then of course everything goes awry which is hilarious it's a great cold open to the or it's a great intro to the movie but it was just such a great way to introduce the characters you got a sense of peter being like you said the wisecracking smart ass you have egon who's just back there observing being very straight laced he wants the the ectoplasmic uh you know um Samples, a sample, it, yeah. and he, yeah, and he, he, Bill Murray says, Egon, your mucus, you know, like hands it to him. It's just all these great ways to organically show how these guys are friends, they know each other, and they all have pretty well defined roles. And it's not just some contrived plot to get them together, it's it's just a really great way to do no it. No one in the world stacks books like this, nobody. <laughs> so, I do have here, and I, I think it's really important with this movie, especially in the time again, going back to mm-hmm. lack of special effects, yes the music the mm. score <laughs> right from the beginning i mean for those who have watched yeah. this and, and grew not up the, and know this movie not the ray parker jr not the theme, ray parker jr which is theme, but the, the hilariously a- 80s but. <laughs> but the actual score um, of the film, score yeah. of, the film 
if you know this movie and you grew up with it and that's your generation, you know when that creepy music yeah. comes on. I mean, you just, it's it's timeless yeah. in a sense that you you just think Ghostbusters, that creepy whistle right yeah. off the beginning. I At one point in this movie, I just I thought to myself, this movie is simultaneously incredibly 80s and timeless all at once. Yes. And I don't know how they accomplished that, but it it is great. Um, and one of the things, sorry to, to harp on it too, but going back to like the character intros, one thing that I wanted to point out too is it's not just the main character's intros that you get. When Sigourney Weaver comes in there, you get to know right away, okay, she's a musician. She's a little bit aloof. She's going through there. Rick Moranis is the bumbling neighbor, the idiot, the really incredible bit of information, which I had not noticed um, prior to you pointing it out to me about Rick Moranis' character is... I was today years old when I found out, so... <laughs> They all turn into dogs. They're they're they mm-hmm. they're the the key He's master, the key master, and the gatekeeper, and the and Sigourney Weaver becomes the gatekeeper. So Rick Moranis becomes the key master. Prior to that, he locks himself out of his apartment three, three separate times, times throughout three the movie. Times. Never noticed it until again rewatching this as an adult, <laughs> still seeing new things, realizing, wait a minute, like holy shit. Yep. Um, and then you, you, we get an intro into Annie Potts being the uh, perfect foil to them of just the, you know, another just just great character actor in there. And then when we get introduced to um, Winston, he's, you know, again, they just everything works so well. And within about three lines, you have almost a, a near perfect char- character like outline of what they are. Yes. It's just and that is that to be fair, is something that's insanely hard to pull off, and they managed to do it. Yes. Um, and you mentioned Annie Potts, and she is... Oh, she's amazing. Oh, amazing in this role. Yeah. She is, for those who, ha- again, haven't seen the movie Living Designing on Mars... Designing women? Yeah, right? <laughs> um, she, in this movie, is the typical New York secretary with yep. a thick New York accent. Yep. She is sweet, but at the same time, you know, she will answer the phone when she's frustrated. Razor-sharp Go- wit. Ghostbusters, what do you want? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, is is good that they, she does right by them. They they treat her well. There's yep. a part where they kind of yell at her, and then he comes back. He's like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I yelled at you." Yeah. Um, it, it's she kind of flirts with Egon at some point. Like yeah. she's, I really like her character in this one. Yeah. Um, if we ever talk about sequels, we can dive into that later <laughs> for this, but in this one, I really, really enjoyed her character. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that I want to point out too is like, we, we talk about how you mentioned before that they all were, they're experienced improv guys. So there was clearly some improv on this movie, but there's also a really tight script that went behind it. That was not always the case though. Ackroyd was the guy who wrote the original, um, piece of the script it was originally set like crazy in the future and uh they immediately brought on harold ramus to rein that fucking back in because they were <laughs> a little bit weirded out by Ackroyd's. they were worried that it was going to balloon into some crazy um, budget and they were a little worried about his script so that was not something again that happened overnight it was not like the first take they just got this like that took a lot of honing in there and i will talk about it in a um some of the like wrap-up pieces how many character how many actors they went through to find these characters like they had so many people that were potentially going to be a part of this right it, the list yeah. the list is pretty extensive yeah um in this movie too you have you obviously have a villain there's obviously a, a protagonist yep. you have a main villain in this one was great again 1984 you have william atherton was walter peck so walter peck was the epa the head of the epa for those who may have know 
who's that guy? Remember Die Hard? Yep. He was like just the, the sleazy <laughs> dickhead in Die Hard. Uh, he in this movie is Walter Peck. Great name. I have bad guy because he necessarily wasn't this over the top like <laughs> he was a guy from the government who was just a dick. He's a, a typical someone who doesn't believe in science, doesn't... He uh, has no dick. <laughs> dickless here turned off the generator. Um, yes, it's true. This man has no dick. So many great lines. There's He's oh, he's a dick, but at the same time, he's like aloof to the the ribbing that, that Bill Murray is just laying upon him at certain points in this. And when you really stop and think about it, he is not completely a dick he is talking to he is trying to figure out what the hell is going on with these unlicensed nuclear reactors that a bunch of crackpots that just got kicked out of a university built like he's really not that bad of a guy he just goes about it in a little bit of a dickish manner exactly and that's and you're very you're you're 100 right uh, this ends up going to the mayor's office. It yep. turns into a big thing where, if again, watch the movie, but this is some of the best lines. Bill Murray. The dialogue is amazing. It has. The, <laughs> the dialogue is fantastic. The And it's not this zany in your face it's like, not a it's not a juno type of you know like you know immediate dialogue it's not going to be like an aaron sorkin type of you know like walk and talk you know this like witty repartee back and forth it's just a lot of good lines yeah that go on and that sound great when they're going through it um as you mentioned before moranis sigourney weaver they get possessed they come and bring about as it turns out the epa guy shuts them down it releases a whole bunch of ghosts the mayor believes them uh, and then it turns out Zul comes, and this is the big ancient Sumerian deity that I mentioned in there that's going to, you know, like destroy the earth. They have to fight it. They fight it to a hilarious degree, and of course, they win. So it's it's just, I mean, that is a vast oversimplification. We could spend an hour just talking about this amazing movie, but unfortunately, we also have to give airtime to the 2016 version of this. So, Paul. Would you tell me a little bit about the 2016 version of Ghostbusters? Do I have to? You do. I'm All sorry. Right. You chose this. So. I did. I did. I, I took I took one for the team on this. So, guys, it's my and, and, and ladies. Paranormal researcher Abby Yates and physicist Aaron Gilbert are trying to prove that ghosts exist in modern society. When strange apparitions appear in Manhattan, Gilbert and Yates turn to engineer Jillian Holtzman for help. Also joining the team is Patty Tolan, a lifelong New Yorker who knows the city inside and out. Armed with proton packs and plenty of attitude, the four women prepare for an epic battle as more than (laughs) 1,000 mischievous ghouls descend on Times Square. It was way... Way more enthusiastic than I thought you would be able to manage for that. I really appreciate that. That that so that right there, folks, is the most enthusiastic I will get about this movie. So I mean, in case you guys haven't been able to tell, we did not enjoy this movie very much. Um, I think potential. There, there, there's potential there. So I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to say nice things about this movie. I'm not gonna try to. I'm gonna say some nice things about this movie. But the problem is, is I'm always gonna follow them up with like an asterisk or a but. Um, so. First off, casting. You have this iconic cast from the first one, so what do you try to do? You try to recreate it for the second one. You pull in Kristen Wiig, who is excellent. She is great. Um, you team her up with Paul Paul Feig, who is the director who had just previously done Bridesmaids with her, and Melissa McCarthy. 
So suddenly you've got two, you know, pretty big name stars. Um, I personally do not like Melissa McCarthy, but you are. Pretty, I'm, I'm a fa- okay I'm, 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 I'd say I'm half in on okay. Melissa McCarthy. I think she's yeah. done some really, really good stuff. I also think she's done some really bad stuff. <laughs> um, and then we add in Kate McKinnon, who I also really enjoy and I think can be just awesome in the right roles. Uh, and then Leslie Jones, who I actually I can remember watching the the trailers for this movie and thinking, man, is she going to annoy the hell out of me? Because all they did was just show her screaming and slapping and doing whatever. And then throughout the movie, I actually kind of thought she might be my favorite character. She was kind of the most grounded outside of like a couple of outrageous scenes. She really actually held it together pretty well and I rather liked it. I, I don't know. I kind of liked her. Of them all, <laughs> Leslie Jones was, was I could tolerate her character yeah. more. Outside of this movie, oh, Leslie Jones is hilarious. If you don't follow her on Twitter, please follow her on Twitter. Yeah. Um, hashtag this so maybe she watches it. But anyway, <laughs> um, she is hysterical. Oh my God. Uh, just, yeah. If you, again, follow her on Twitter. The Olympics alone was hilarious. So, uh, I mean, one of the things is that this cast isn't bad. I mean, in addition to them, you have Chris Hemsworth, who doesn't who doesn't love Thor. I mean, come on. Um, but he just plays a stupid character, it's, and I don't. But not like stupid. Like he he plays someone who's stupid. Yeah, and to he plays a point a, of a dumb character, dude. It, but he's fucking like too dumb. Yeah, like he's... no one survives anything being that dumb i mean it is over the top like a hot dog floating over a house is the key to i i guys it's it's um a caricature of of an idiot like it's like an idiot and then let's make that idiot seem like more of an idiot yep he is I, i don't know i don't know how to describe it it's just it's it's baffling um they then uh you know i mean they have some really good bit characters in there i mean zach woods does the open to this movie um i'm fairly positive he probably ad-libbed almost all of his lines if you don't know who that is um he's on silicon valley he's been on just a ton of stuff he is a wonderfully accomplished uh improv comedian too so he i would be willing to bet he probably improv a lot of the stuff that he did um and then they have like ed begley jr showing up they have you know like the the, the cast is is excellent in 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 all you know seriousness this should have been really good it just i mean they have just a like you said a lot of side characters that you're like oh i for or i've seen that guy before or he's really good in this but yeah. I, I it's just um i i what's his name uh Karan Sony from Deadpool yeah, yeah uh shows up as the delivery driver yeah. deep dopender dopender yeah. that's yeah. right that's <laughs> right um Andy Garcia's the mayor uh, as a very odd turn in I, yeah uh, Cicely Strong from Saturday Night Live I liked her I have her in my notes here um so so here's my it's interesting I was gonna bring her up too and the reason why I bring her up is because I don't know if you noticed this so Cecily Strong and Kate McKinnon and Kristen Wiig are all playing the same character. And I don't mean that as like they're all like, you know, <laughs> named it. It's like, go back and watch their performances. They all do the same somewhat monotone, kind of awkward, like sort of condescending tone of voice, which is kind of all their shtick anyway. But they really just played the same character. And it was, again, it's just like you have three very good actors, very funny actresses that just were a waste <laughs> on screen. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Outside of that, the story itself was just 
dick and fart jokes. I have this a lot in my notes. It's a lot of lowbrow comedy. It's, it's a it's lot of... Um, very lowest common denominator with Very everything. lowest common denominator. The <laughs> characters are too... They're caricatures. No, so no, right no, off but, the bat, they meet a ghost. It's it's almost too much of a parody of the first Ghostbusters. Like it's, it is. It's a constant reference back to the original Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. So at no point can you sit back and try and say, okay, let's start over. Like, let's think of this at a new light. Let's think of this at, without going back to the original because they won't let you. Yeah, that's that's the thing that I tried to go into this. I'd never watched it before this, and I had heard the much, much maligned reviews of it. Um, so I tried to go in with an open mind. And it just, it like you said, it, it never lets you try to make it stand on its own. It is constantly calling back to the original. It has all of the available stars. You know, Bill. They have a bust of Harold Ramis, God rest his soul. Um, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson all have bit parts in it. Annie Potts has a bit part in it. Sigourney Weaver has a bit part in it. They couldn't. They tried to get Rick Moranis, but he refused because he's retired from acting, so he didn't want to come back for it. They just, they just, they. Every time you thought, all right, maybe this will stand on its own. They well either failed at making it stand on its own, or they just called back to the original all like, the time. They just they, a constant, con- like Slimer's in this movie. Slimer yeah. comes back. Stay puffed, Marshmallow Man comes yeah, it's, back. Like, it's they just, just they, it's too just, many nods. It's too many nods. Constant back to the references. Original. Yes, it's <sighs> and it's it's weird because when when you think about it like this, you're you're taking again, you're not taking some minor you know movie that kind of did well and has a cult following. This was a this was it's a, a big huge, deal, huge success, and it you're going back and you you want to try to make it with an all female cast. Great, you want to try to make it funny, you know, in in a newer way. That's all, you know what also cool you you can't let us forget the original it's just this constant references and it's not even a good reference it's just hey, hey, hey. you see this guy he was yeah. in the original huh? exactly. we got him back no value to the story whatsoever yeah. uh no value to anything other than to remind you of the original so bill murray's in it his character that scene you could cut that in out entirely it would not change the story nope it, it would is a pointless pointless scene for the most part. Oh, no, no. Actually, I was going to say, it, it, I think it is pointless. The one thing that you would lose by taking it out of there is possibly my favorite joke of the movie. Because there were a couple of times where I actually laughed out loud. And it is Bill Murray gets thrown from a window, defenestrated, if you will, uh, out, the, <laughs> out the window by a ghost. And Chris Hemsworth just looks up and goes, he went out the wrong door. And I don't know why, but it just made me laugh. Like, it was just such a profoundly stupid line. But it just made me laugh when I was like... <laughs> He's dumb. He thought that was a door. But that's the th- oh, it's it's too. <laughs> I don't know dumb. why that one that one got me. <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot of science jargon. They they over science science jargon. They, yeah, a lot of science jargon. There's also in the original one, they are lucky to have the proton packs they have. Like mm-hmm. and you could tell that though making those like basically nuclear bombs strapped to their back took a lot of work. Kate McKinnon in this is like their weapons, their Egon, if you will. Yeah. And she's running, like, MIB fucking arsenal over there. She's like, oh, well, check out this gun. Check out this. And, like, just a whole array of different, like, proton pack shotguns and bullshit. It's 
They, it's they too give, much. They give boxing gloves, to, you know, at one point that are that are proton pack powered or whatever those things that because yes. most McCarthy has them. Um, so this is this is going back to, and I already used it a couple of times, but the way the original one, um, and again we're, we're comparing and contrasting because one that's the point of this podcast, but two, like we said, there's no possible way for you to escape it from this this second movie they just keep throwing references back there so when you start breaking it down the original one everything and i use this word too many times probably already but everything was organically introduced um the way they introduced that these are you know nuclear reactors is the elevator scene the classic elevator scene where ray is like turn me on and he turns on and he's they both just like take a cautious step back which they try to recreate in the new one and it doesn't work nearly as well it doesn't and then it has them with these weird scenes in the alleyway where they're testing out the it's it's a totally it's a it's a completely inorganic it just completely side sidelines from the plot whereas everything in the original one every time they were testing out something new or they were doing something it was to serve the plot they're actually doing this out on a you know out on a call in the first one exactly versus taking time to stop and do a a, a bit a, a, shtick, a montage if you will yeah, in some of regards just, of just them getting thrown around and screaming which by the way another thing that really hit me hard going back and watching these and watching them basically back to back the original one there is hardly any screaming or anything at all all of the comedy is is very minute um you know like bill murray has a moment when slimer's coming at him and the worst he's doing is just going ah, ah you know like he's not even really like screaming go and watch 2016 again going back lowest common denominator the things that are funny are just accentuated by them shrieking, screaming. I'm not yeah. really sure what's going on. It's just and people are getting possessed by ghosts yeah. at one point, and it, oh, instead, oh, and, and again, instead of trying to do something original with the car or even getting an, they get a hearse. Yep. yep. So it's like, oh, okay, so it's kind of like an ambulance, but it's not like, oh, like they're just more nods to the original. They go and visit a firehouse. And realize they can't afford it. Yep. Like, it's like, oh, here's the firehouse from the original one. Guess where they end up at the end? Like, I'm sorry, spoiler alert. It's it's very just staged, very over the top. Um, I do want to bring up, because we did talk about, we haven't talked about the bad guy. And this is what gets oh, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The, you can't see it, but we're both rolling our eyes. Like, what <laughs> the fuck? Um, so the first one, Gozar is this mythical being, is this, comes back as this... Taking big, taking possession of two people to have his acolytes, you know, introduced in there that are these giant demon dogs, as they were called on set. Yes. You know, like, it's it's a it's a wonderful, and they kind of throw, like, almost the red herring with the EPA guy. You think that's going to be the bad guy, but it turns out he unleashes the greater evil. It's just, it's, every, everything is well characterized. Everything's well characterized. Everything's well played. It's not this. It, it's a very scary thing. Like when they describe it, you don't even have to see him. You, you don't ever no. until like the yeah. last few minutes of the movie. And they're just describing what Zul is and yeah. Gozar and all these <laughs> things. And you're just like, holy shit. I don't know what this thing looks like. But when it comes, we are fucked. In this one, you get a pissed off janitor named Ronin. Or Rowan. Rowan, yeah. yeah. Rowan. He's, he's he works at a hotel. He's a janitor who talks about being bullied as a kid and wanting to the cataclysm. We're and both just kind of like shrugging at this and shaking the, our heads. Like I, cool, like you, <laughs> yeah, man, you got picked on. I'm sorry, like that that sucks, but let's not cause the apocalypse because of it. Yeah, uh, it's it's just an unnecessary, uncool. It's just not cool. Yeah, at all. And it it, it this is. 
like I said, you know, we, we talked about this, but they, they throw in multiple, like, weird fart jokes, like, come on, and then they have, you know, like, a, there's poop jokes, um, they, they have, like, Ozzy Osbourne appears as a quick, like, shot of him yelling at Sharon, or something it's, like, like, it's a, it's a reference that's 15 years dated. Yeah. And Ozzy Osbourne, I mean, like, really? You're, you thought that was gonna fly. Uh, okay, whatever. Um, it just... It, they make they make a Swayze ghost joke in there. Yeah, uh, like okay, and then th- the best part is they they just turn it into a reference fest. Okay, they make the reference to Swayze being in Ghost about making pottery, and then they just start talking about other Swayze movies. They literally just talk yeah. about Point Break and then um, uh, Roadhouse and Dirty Dancing. Like they just it's it's like those those terrible epic movie date movie disaster movie those types of crappy just reference something that happened humor and it's not it's not even humor that's just pointing at something and going look at that thing we all know what that thing is and one of the things that i also wanted to bring up too is you know we talked about the improv of the first one where you could tell there was a lot of stuff that was being improved in there um one of the big things that paul feig has mentioned i've watched a couple of interviews with him is that he really wanted to give this cast the ability to go off and do their own thing which is good because you have a lot of improv comedians you have some people that do a lot of live tv you know like these women should know what they're doing the problem was is that you could really really if you watch it it was really obvious when they were reading what was their characters like you know written dialogue mm-hmm. and when they would go off script because every time they went off script they were just it was just kate mckinnon and Kristen wig it was not them as a character it didn't fit anything they had built up to that point it was just them hamming it up a little bit too much into the camera and you could tell paul feig just thought it was gold and that he was just gonna let the cameras run and film what was going on and it made it really hard to get into the characters then i really really like kate mckinnon um especially on saturday night live oh, yeah. um i her abduct those abduction scenes oh where she talks about goodness. everything just like it's just brilliant she is she, she is she, her impersonations are fantastic. Um, I never wanted her to leave sketch comedy, whether it's yeah. SNL or, or anything else. But this movie fell. I was fell flat. I was disappointed. Um, her character was a little too weird. Uh, it seemed forced at some point. But like Zach was saying, at some point you got to see a little bit glimmer of a personality. Like they didn't really give her character any personality except just kind of be a weirdo yeah and too weirdo and and like i mentioned you know like paul feig is the one who directed this if you guys don't know what he's done he did a bunch of episodes like freaks and geeks arrested development 30 rock mad men weeds parks and rec um the office he also directed bridesmaids as i mentioned before and then spy which was that melissa mccarthy movie and then it was written by kate dippold who hasn't done much but she did write some episodes of parks and rec and some mad tv episodes back in the day uh and then wrote the heat one and apparently there's a heat two coming out which are also melissa mccarthy vehicles. Uh, fantastic movie so if you haven't i've never seen it oh there's reasons i why i like melissa mccarthy yeah the heat is one of them okay so it's it's a i'm excited for the sequel again there's talent there um so when you you take that You've got a couple of guys with pretty good pedigree. Um, if you go into, going back to 1984 Ghostbusters, um, like I said, it was Aykroyd and Ramis. Like, I don't know if I need to really do any more introductions to them. Harold Ramis wrote every good comedy in the 80s, basically. He wrote Stripes and Meatballs and this and just Animal House. And it, it just it's just baffling when you go back and re, read what he wrote. Um, and it was directed by Ivan Reitman, who's 
they had some hits and misses. Um, so he did direct Meatball Stripes uh, with Harold Ramis helping him out there. Then he did uh, Twins and Ghostbusters 2. And then Kindergarten Cop and Junior, so he went on a real, uh, you know, Schwarzenegger run there for a minute. Yeah, I was going to say, him and, him and Arnold got yeah. close there for a little bit. And then uh, Evolution, which was the spiritual successor to Ghostbusters, um, and I'll get to that in just a second. And then he did uh, My Super Ex-Girlfriend and No Strings Attached, which were both pretty mediocre. Yeah. He's, he's, he's kind of gone downhill since the 90s, for sure. Um the reason, I, uh, to bring it back around, so one of the things that I mentioned to Paul, Paul was talking to me, asking me, you know, after I'd watched this, what did I think of it? Um, and I told him exactly this, and he may have noticed, I, I did mention some good things, I mentioned some bad, it almost kind of always accompanied with the bad things. After watching these two back to, back to back, Ghostbusters 2016 is just it's not a bad movie. It's not a good movie. It's a completely forgettable movie to me, anyway. I know there. I think you can make a very good argument that it is a bad movie, but I just don't remember anything about it. And that is almost worse. Going back to Evolution, if you've never seen that, it's 2001. It's Sean William Scott, David Duchovny, um, Orlando Jones. Like, it's a dumb movie. It's it is dumb. It is profoundly stupid. It's cool though. But Visually I can tell you right now, cool. I still remember it more than I remember Ghostbusters. They they went for they went for something, and even if it was stupid, and even if it failed. I still remember that and look back fond, more fondly on that, even if it was probably a worse movie than the 2016 Ghostbusters was. I still remember it more fondly because it took a chance and it tried to do something rather than just spattering a whole bunch of bullshit on the screen together. And that's the biggest disappointment is just they used Ghostbusters and they gave me a completely forgettable 2010s comedy with some decent stars and nothing else going for it I, I was very disappointed so when this when i first heard about this when i first heard about the cast i was kind of keeping up um in some regards to what this movie was going to be i was excited to see previews i was wholeheartedly disappointed with everything about this movie it was again comparing the two so latent with cgi everything was cgi this yep. cgi that there was no just let's just be creepy. Let's just be about ghosts. And again, you didn't see the bad guy in the 1984. You didn't see his Gozer, Azul, or Stay Puft Marshmallow Man until the last like 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. It was all just in reference from Rick Moranis' monologue when he's wearing a, col a colander on his head yeah. about the destruction of the world or Sigourney Weaver, you know, floating above the bed and just breathing heavy. Her breathing and growling heavy was scary as shit when you were a kid. Yeah. You didn't need the special effects. They did it with a score. They did it with acting. They did it with some good makeup. But you didn't have this in-your-face constant neon, blacklight, CGI, um, over-the-top stuff that this new one had. And the cast was terrible. The The writing was bad. And it was, it was, it was a letdown. Because they yep. could have been something really good but it was just the key, trying too hard just absolutely trying way too hard um every actor had a, who was alive like you said had a bit part and they all should have been off that they, they yep. should all be ashamed of themselves i hate well, to say it and it's just again it's just they were tr they weren't even trying it didn't even feel like they were trying to make a standalone movie they didn't even feel like they were trying to make their own version of ghostbusters it really truly felt like they just kept pointing back and being like remember how good that was yeah we're going to do something that vaguely references that. Yep, and it was just... It, even from the way uh, they see the first ghost, to yeah. they all get kicked out of universities. They yeah. uh, Then they all have to find a place to start their Ghostbusters. Yeah. I mean, it is it is shot for shot, for, uh, the first half seat. Yeah. Trying the, to be the first, Yeah, the setup of the plot is almost exactly what the, what the first one was. Um, 
I think the, the, the thing that I wanted to just kind of like close on, um, before I kind of go into some of the, um, some of the trivia and stuff about this, uh, is just, it, it, it's just a letdown if you watch them back to back. Um, there is a, I'm sure there's, I know there's an audience for the new, uh, Ghostbusters. It is not me. It is just not, there's there's a lot of wasted potential there and i just wish that they would have done something more with it there is a ghostbusters sequel in the works now to be directed by ivan reitman's son jason reitman who if you have never seen anything he's done he did um uh, thank you for smoking and a couple other he's done some pretty good stuff actually Mm -hmm. um i am not excited about it still i still think that they should just probably leave this die um, after Ghostbusters 2, that probably was pretty apparent they didn't need to do anything. With yeah, this we're going to answer this this ultimate question later, and maybe yeah. maybe that'll take care of the what we yeah. think of Ghostbusters 2020 or whatever the, the hell they're going to call it. Yeah. Um, so just as a couple of quick things, there's there's so much trivia around all these movies, I, I and we did try to sprinkle some of it in there. I think what I want to do is actually, like I mentioned before, I want to basically take you through what could have been, because there were so many actors that were going to be in this movie that then weren't in the 19th. 1984 one um so it was originally written to be john belushi dan Aykroyd, and eddie murphy uh that they were supposed and there was no fourth it was just supposed to be the three of them uh it was rewritten because belushi passed away before this could happen and as it was rewritten then eddie murphy dropped out and they made his character less of a less of an accentuation point in the movie yep. that was why ernie hudson comes in part of the way through it um paul rubens was originally going to be gozer oh, been so, so you could have had awesome. Wee herman as gozer the gozerian that would have been interesting um michael keaton turned down the vankman role and egon role they offered him vankman he said no they offered him egon he said no um, then Chevy Chase turned down Venkman due to the early script not being what he wanted it to be. He has since gone on record as saying after the rewrite happened because he saw the original Ackroyd script that he wished he would have yeah. been given a shot at it. But at that point, I think he was out. Um, John Candy was supposed to be Rick Moranis, but he left due to differences. He wanted to take the character. He wanted to have a German accent yep. and all this all stuff kinds of with weird him. Shit. Oh, it was yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, and then. Egon was originally also offered to Christopher Walken, John Lithgow, Christopher Lloyd, or Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Steve Gutenberg also turned down Venkman to do uh, Police Academy, <laughs> Police which was pretty funny. Uh, Jay Leno read for Rick Moranis's part. Didn't ultimately go with him, but I just thought that would have been fun. And uh, it was it was funny. Reginald Vell Johnson, who you guys probably know as Carl Winslow, or you may know him uh, as the uh, as Al from Die Hard, the black cop yes. there. Uh, he was originally almost going to be Winston. They really liked him, but Ernie Hudson. They ultimately went with him, so they offered him the prison guard minor role as kind of a makeup for it. So it just stands to reason that I don't think I've ever seen Reginald Vell Johnson as anything but a police officer. But a cop. So, yep. yep. He is, um, he's your your your. Regular so go-to cop. That's a whole bunch of what could have been. Um, with 2016, there was a few others that could have been in there. Um, Emma Stone turned down a role in this, uh, which kind of would have been interesting. If she was in there, Eliza Dushku, Anna Ferris, and Alyssa Milano were all considered, but they never actually ended up coming around to join it out there. Jennifer Lawrence and Rebel Wilson were both seriously considered for a couple of parts in there, which could have been kind of interesting because either one of them would have been interesting. Uh, and then Anne Hathaway actually had a small role in the original script, but was eventually cut. And it's not clear whether that was cut because she didn't want to do it or they didn't just have you know room in the script anymore for it. But I thought it was interesting that they had, even in the 2016 version, they had quite a few people that they 
could have had. Can you do that as an actor, though? Like, after the movie, after you watch it, be like, oh, this movie's shit. You need to cut every bit of me out of this. (laughs) This is garbage. I'm out. (laughs) Here's a refund. I'm done. I don't see why you couldn't. Uh, Yeah, if she's smart, that's why. That's what happened. Let's Uh, talk budget. I I was just going to say, let's let's dive into a little budget here. (laughs) This This is interesting. Yeah, Ghostbusters nineteen eighty four had a budget of thirty thousand or thirty million, excuse me, thirty yeah. million dollars estimated. Yep. Opening weekend takes in thirteen million. Moderate. Give or take, but it's the thirteen point five if yeah. we're estimating. And that's a that's a moderate opening. That's it's not a, bad. That's a that's moderate. A, that's a opening. very promising opening. So worldwide gross, worldwide. What has this movie done? Two hundred ninety one million dollars. That's and, a in 1984, that's massive. That's again today, folks. The that's oh, I would say close to a billion dollars. And it's I know I believe I read adjusted for inflation. It's somewhere in the 30s for all-time highest-grossing films. Like that's this is a serious contender for a massive, massive hit. So again, they weren't remaking some cult classic. This was a movie that made money hand over fist. This was huge. So 2016, by contrast. <laughs> oh, let's talk 2016. <laughs> oh, 2016. Cost, uh, cost $144 million. That's already half of what the original took in. Yep. Yep. So, uh, pretty up there. Now, opening weekend. Let's let's be generous and call it 40... Uh, very generous and call it $47 million. Sure. So... Not a terrible start. No, no. It actually, I mean, again, I was, I personally was excited to see it. I wanted, I wanted to check it out. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were really curious. Big cast, great, you know, not bad. Let's talk worldwide. Worldwide gross today in today's money. Up again, we'll be generous. 230 million. So if you don't know movie metrics, that is not a very good hit. I mean, it's, it's a success. The one thing that I'll throw out there, I don't know if you read this, but by most accounts, because this was not included, you said budget is 140 plus million? 144 million. 144 million. Um, by all accounts, this movie then spent 70 million in advertising. That is not included in the original budget. Correct. So we're all of a sudden up to $210 million, give or take, that this movie spent and it made, what was that? Two hundred and Two, I'll, I'll give you an exact, well, not exact, but, but Worldwide Gross, two, 230. We'll call it $230 million. 230. So that means this movie, for all they spent on it, made maybe, it, it basically broke even at this point. Not a success, by any right. means. It made less money in today's money than Ghostbusters made in 1984 money. Yeah. And that 1984, <laughs> and it cost, to, yeah, 1984 money is about 700000 Yeah. Uh, and that means in today, the budget of Ghostbusters was thirty million for nineteen eighty four. When you include the advertising budget, seven times what the original one cost. This new movie was what a catastrophic flop. Um, and that shows too. Just in case you guys are wondering, um, from a critical perspective, nineteen eighty four Ghostbusters 
Rotten Tomatoes has that sitting at a 97% from critics. Critics loved it. It is certified fresh. Um, 88% audience. I thought that was interesting. Audience didn't love it as much as critics did. But uh, hey, you know, win some, lose some. Still excellent. Still an excellent score. And again, I mean, there's still people that haven't seen this movie. Uh, 2016 Rotten Tomatoes has... 74% 74% of critics liked it, which makes it certified fresh. I was not anticipating that. I was not anticipating that either. By contrast, 51% of the audience <laughs> found it to be entertaining. Uh, that sounds about right. If you don't understand this, an audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes is generally over, just hugely inflated. And the audience disagreed with the critics so much, they were like, nah, we're going to take this one down a peg. <laughs> <laughs> so... I thought that was quite, quite interesting. Now it's time to start getting into some scoring criteria. Let's break this down. Let's start off with the cast. Now, this one, I know what my answer is, but I want to give credit where credit is due. 2016 did not have a bad cast. It it's got, a, bad it's got cast. a very good cast. It's got a nice cast of characters, and interestingly includes most of the original cast. I still give the edge to 1984 because those are just titans of comedy. Aykroyd, Murray, and Harold Ramis, people may not know him as a household name, but then you know him, you know Rick Moranis, you know Sigourney Weaver. These are people that are all still stars today. They all have star power today. 30 plus years, 35 years later, these guys are all still in the business acting and doing great things. Aside from Rick Moranis, who is out of the business by choice. That cast... That is imp- impossible in that. I don't think the cast, this current cast, will hold up that well. I have to give it to 1984. I, I mean, there's no, there's, there's no even disagreeing with anything you said. All I'm going <laughs> to add to that is that, again, 1984. I'm big on the fact that there was very little CGI. This yeah. movie was all about witty dialogue, catchy one-liners in in a, in a good sense. Uh, not even one-liners, but just memorable lines. Yeah. Um, it, this is hands down. To Ghostbusters 1984. I mean, yeah. there's there's no there's no argument on this one. Yeah. Which brings us into a nice segue into the acting of said cast. In case you didn't get this from the uh, first part of this, y- yeah, we're giving it to 1984. I, I can't... I don't even need... Yeah, that's, we're that's just... Next. That's it. Yeah, next. Um, direction script. The direction piece of this, because I, I lump them both together because they usually go pretty well hand in hand. Um, the direction piece, I, again, I, I want to give props... 1984, as we said, was fairly bland. Yep. It's not a. It's not a particularly. It's not a particularly well shot movie. It's very. Yeah, like you said, khaki. <laughs> it's khaki. A, it's a very, a very gray tone movie. Um, but the the script, as I mentioned before, this might be. This is a for me a top five comedy of all time. Probably top two, um, for me. This is yeah. Ghostbusters so, 1984 is probably my my top five movies of all time. Yeah. So it's direction script has to go to it based on script alone i think yeah i mean you ask my i mean if, if my wife were here she'd tell you that she can't fucking stand it every time i walk by a piano i just gotta jiggle those last two keys you know I, it, it, this is this is a a classic this it doesn't hold a candle as far as script goes to to this new one yep um production value i mm, the new one was shot well heavy reliance on cgi as we've mentioned mm-hmm. the original one has it's it, it's very kind of bland tones. There was some really good stuff in there, some nice set pieces. 
I don't know. I I, I'm actually like... gonna. I'm gonna. I'm. Just, I'll, I'll. I'll interject because I'll be fair. I'll give credit what credit's due. I've been shitting on this movie since the second we talked about it. I will give it to. I think the. I think the new one has a better production value. It. I mean, it yeah. It, it's not khaki. Yeah. It's. A, it, it's. It is a lot of bright colors. Yep. It's a lot of, the really good, well done CGI. Yeah. I, I. It is. It. They win in that regard. It is. It is a little bit better put together. I think, and that's not a dig on the original one it's for a comedy just fine i think it's a little more visually interesting to watch in the 2016 version i'll right. grant it that much and I, I think i agree with you on that actually um enjoyment value yes it's not even a hands down i mean i'm i'm shitting all over this 2016 one. no it's but i was i was making a fart joke because 2016 had more fart jokes in it therefore uh, i enjoyed it more yeah that's not true it's it's I enjoyed 1984 so much more <laughs> Um, 1984 obviously is something I could probably watch over and over and over again if you had. couldn't tell by the way we're talking about it this new one's it's, it's not good it's it's just not good we mentioned before you know like what Rotten Tomatoes thought so now it's time for us to get into our favorite five star and one star reviews of these uh, movies yes. um, if you guys don't know what this is we go out and we find our favorite five star reviews and our favorite one star reviews of these movies Paul start us off What's your favorite five-star review of the 1984 Ghostbusters? Oh, okay. Easy one. Five-star review. Best movie I have ever watched. I can't disagree with him there. The humor of this movie is perfect. The way the characters, plot, and settings work together are amazing. Recommend for everyone, unless you are a soulless crab. To be fair, I think soulless crabs probably don't like that movie. So I mean, fair. if you're a soulless crab, you go fuck yourself. That's true. That's fuck soulless crabs. You heard it here, folks. We are taking a hard stance on soulless crabs. I got a hard stance. Um, um, yeah, so that's my five star. All right, uh, my five star for this. This is for the original 1984 Ghostbusters movie. Uh, it is the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man dies at the end. The Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man dies at the end. That's the whole review. That's why he gives it five stars. You son of a bitch blew the whole movie for everybody. <laughs> now Sorry, tell me what you said spoilers. Now, okay, <laughs> this one was a difficult one to actually to to find a one star review for. So Zach, did you did you find one that wasn't them bitching about some streaming quality or some the way the disc came or some bullshit reason like that? Could you yourself actually find a one star review for this movie? I could let me tell you this one took some digging you were right um everything on amazon is about the, the quality of the stream or the dvd or whatever it is um but i did find this one and it's titled you know who you are and this says i was made to watch this for extra credit on an ochem exam it's not as enjoyable when you study it for a grade thanks a lot mr t i wish i had a teacher like mr t that would have let me Watch this during school. You got to watch Ghostbusters for Oakham credit. Why are you complaining? Also, in my mind, I assumed they were being taught by the Mr. T. I, right? <laughs> and he was pitying these uh, fools. These fools were pitied. So that was my one-star review. Did you find a one-star review I for Ghostbusters? I did. Um, I assumed that Cletus wrote this. So excuse <laughs> the... I am going to read this verbatim. You... <laughs> You do with it. This is as what you, you have please. to sift through. <laughs> so, titled "Disturbing." This film was disturbing. This is not way a ghost should act. Quotations. Even if there were no ghost. End quote. Well, the best part is the song. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh, that's that is that uh, is th gold. When that you... took it, guys. This this for those listening. 
if for those who understand this movie, this took a lot of time to find. This was page like twenty three <laughs> of some bullshit one star reviews on Amazon that were all DVD related. Like apparently, at some point, it, I I will say, do not buy this on DVD from Amazon. Apparently, not. apparently it, not. It's on Netflix. Check it out. But it's those kind of reviews. The the ones that we found, those are what you what you live for. Like oh, we're man. panning for gold. Like we're out there <laughs> in the Alaskan wilderness. This is what we're what we live for. Oh, so quite the opposite. I found for the 2016 Zach. I am assuming that uh, you found a one star. So let's let me ask this: Did you find a five star for the 2016? I did find a five-star review for Ghostbusters. Go on. It says, as described, no issues. So that may be about I, the... I presume it's about the video quality, but it was the best one that I could find of a five-star review. So I found one. Ooh. Oh, Ooh, oh yeah. I did. Please, please. please Hilarious and highly entertaining. Ooh. This was December 23rd of like this year. Someone someone <laughs> got this on Prime Video, verified purchase, gave it five stars. Top five for me. The writing is awesome. And it's not a complete remake. It takes its own path. And I hope they make another. So clearly... Good for you. They didn't... I don't know what they watched... But uh, as you could tell from our, from what we gathered from it, taking its own path is not what I used to is, describe. Is not movie. those are not the words I use no. to describe this. No. What about one star reviews for this one? For really, it was just picking one that wasn't too long that I yeah. didn't take up enough time. I mean, where do where do we begin with the one star reviews for this movie? Well, um, just so you guys know, uh, Paul, I'm going to let you read yours first, but I wanted to pull up. Um, one of the things that we didn't that we didn't touch on, and it's very purposeful because we're not, well, I guess, assholes. I mean, we are, but we're not. Is that this 2016 remake took a lot of flack from assholes <laughs> about yeah. it being an all female cast? And I want to read just three really quick uh, one star reviews that we uh, that uh, just to show you guys as a quick sampling of what lies ahead of you should you decide to just dredge through these. But there are reviews like Politically Correct Garbage, An Anthem to the Matriarchy, and Stupid Not Funny Typical Feminism. I purposely didn't choose any of those, and we very much so avoided the topic of like the feminist view of this, because there are so many one-star reviews that are about this, and I wanted to just make that a point. I hated this movie because it was poorly made, not because there were women in it. Oh, no, um, so not at all. I, I just wanted to give that as a quick sampling to everybody of, like, this is what you wade through when you go into these one-star reviews. So, Paul, setting that up. So, I, I actually picked this. I'm be funny you mentioned that was because this is how I kind of felt about it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this one was titled, I Thought Maybe the Haters Were Exaggerating. Ooh. They weren't. <laughs> Uh, starts off with, I really wanted to enjoy this movie at least a little, but I couldn't. Even without trying to compare it to the original, the script falls flat to the point of completely boring. I love a good stupid comedy occasionally, but this was just too far stupid. Watch it if you get it free, and if you've got something else to keep you entertained, like maybe a better show on another screen. Fair enough. It, again, that's kind of, you know, kind of my nutshell. But, it, yeah, definitely didn't 
teeter on the world of assholedom that was a lot of yeah. a lot of one star reviews. So my one star review ended up just being one that I kind of had thrown up my hands and was done reading all of this crap. It is definitely about the video quality, but it's it was just hilarious to me because of the <laughs> way it was, uh, it was it was just it was just a refreshing thing to read. My one star review is we have been trying since first purchased, but have been unable to view this moving ing not movie. Ah. So I just thought that was a nice reprieve from all of the sexism and rampant alt-right comments on this. It was just... It, it was a good palate cleanser after all of that. Right, yeah. Final thoughts on this. The thing is, Ghostbusters 1984 is just... It's, it's endlessly quotable. Ask anybody that loves this movie and they'll just they'll be able to say, I don't know how many lines from it. Um, it relied on the comedic timing and the script and like you said it didn't rely that heavily on the special effects or anything like that it was very much just a a nice character driven comedy that also happened to have some very iconic actors dan Aykroyd before he went batshit insane it is it is very close to being the perfect comedy for me it is it is just excellent right off the bat 2016 you're trying to hit a T-ball. I mean, the Ghostbusters name alone is going to net you a hundred million. You know that. Yeah. So absolutely. Why did you do it? <laughs> I mean, that's isn't that what we're what we're here to yeah. to discuss? Any I mean, final thoughts before we render our final verdict on this? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, definitely want to throw my yeah, final thoughts. Please, please, this, please. This this uh, 1984 is one of the more quintessential movies of today um some of the best lines everything from you know human sacrifice cats and dogs living together mass hysteria hey paul where do these stairs go they go up (laughs) they go up (laughs) i mean this is some of the best lines some of the best delivery line delivery but also there's a scene where they're kind of being goofy and and watch it again and maybe you missed it because when they catch uh slimer for the first time they catch him and they're bringing him out, and they're negotiating the rate. And Bill Murray's trying to tell him, he's like, I don't know uh, how much the cost forgot to be four. And Egon's over there to the side, like, flashing up the four. And it's something I never really noticed before. And you watch it again, and you're like, hey, flashes of the one for the 1,000. <laughs> it's, it's subtleties. Yeah. It's just things that you pick up on, things that you see that, that aren't very in your face. But it's funny as shit. Um... And that's that's the type of stuff you give the original versus the new one where they defeat the final monster by shooting it in the dick. Yeah, dick and fart jokes. Uh, this new one is complete trash. I'm just get, I, I have I have very little outside of the production value. Well uh, this movie is shit, and it could have been great. The cast themselves as individual actors are amazing. The directors even the directors the, amazing. From the writer like it's just yeah they've done good stuff. Just didn't do it here. It, they did not do it here. Um, I know I, I've I've heard Paul Feig said he'll never do another remake or reboot again. Good. He needs to stick to that. <laughs> this movie was shit. Um, I, I, fuck, like I told you right off the bat, man, I wanted that two hours of my life back. And it's two <laughs> hours I'm never going to get. So, Zach, answer answer me this, man. In your in your thoughts, what was this was this really necessary fuck no yeah i i have to absolutely agree with you today sir this was hands down no this wasn't fucking necessary excuse the the continued f-bombs but this might be one of the (laughs) worst remakes reboots that i think we're going to talk about 
I mean, it's going to be up there. All right, so those are the final thoughts that we had on Ghostbusters. Next week, we are going to dive into Mad Max from 1979 and Mad Max Fury Road from 2015, I believe. If I think yes, I'll yes. Once again, we have jumped through the hoops of a remake and found ourselves wanting for something more. For everybody here, which is just me and Paul, I'm Zach Buell. And I'm Paul Upshaw. Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate it. Please get out there. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on Google uh, Podcasts. Uh, like us out on there on Facebook. Leave us a nice rating. Please let us know. We'd love to read through some one and five stars of our own show at some point. Yeah, share us share, share us with some friends. Get us out there. Hashtag us if that's what the kids are saying these days. Uh, yeah, I would say like and subscribe, but we're not on YouTube. So, But still do it? I don't know. Anyway... Thanks, guys. We will see you next time.